appreciate them today. <clears throat> Got awesome kids around here, right? Man. <clears throat> and appreciate James uh, reading to us or quoting to us Luke chapter 2 in its entirety. I asked him about Wednesday to get that ready for me, so I gave him plenty of preparation time. And, uh, but that's where I want to look today is Luke chapter 2, and we want to uh, look at verses 15 through 18. It said, so it was, the angels had gone away from them into heaven, and the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And now they had seen him, they made widely known, saying which was told them concerning the child and all those with who heard it marveled at those which were told them by the shepherds. Amen. I want to talk to you today for on a subject of just come and see. Come and see. Israel had been looking for uh, the Messiah. They had been praying. They had been fasting. They had been looking for this Messiah for over 300 years. Israel had been under the... Um, the hand, if you will, of the Roman rule, and they was under the subjection of taxation of their people and the presence of all that uh, the Gentiles were trying to do. Even though they were in this uh, land, they were subjected to this kind of thing. But there were very few Jews uh, that understood or knew what to believe because the Jews themselves were divided. They were separated on what to believe and, and who to believe. And, he, and so we see in Isaiah chapter 9 that it says, uh, to, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of the government and the peace, there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice for henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. But the problem was, is in this day, there was no strong prophecy. Prophecy was to indicate what was to happen in the future but we know during this time that there was not a strong prophet in the Lamb. There was an expectation that Christ would come in their lifetime. Even devout elderly men like we, uh, of Simeon that was spoken of here this morning, they believed that they would see the Messiah in their lifetime. But to whom would this visitation be revealed? Where would Jesus show up? How would he come into the earth? And some might have thought that he, Christ would have come and they would recognize him among the royalty. 
Some probably thought that he would be given to an influential family where that he would have had recognition and he would have had money and he would have been of the lineage of the kings. But after all of the Messiah would be king over the government, he, the Bible says that he, the kingdom or the government would be upon his shoulders. So one might think that this child of promise would be born in a castle. Others might have expected that the Messiah would have been born a prophet or perhaps he would have been in a religious school or family. After all, the Messiah would come to fulfill the promise of the great prophet that, the, that he would be the second Moses. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, he said, I will raise them up, the, a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, and will put my words in their mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whoever will hearken unto his words which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. So there were those who expected the Messiah to be revealed uh, by being a great prophet. And the problem was, as I said, at this time there was no great prophets in Israel. There had been a famine, not of the bread or the wine, but of the hearing of the word of God. The prophetic voice of the Lord had been silenced for almost 400 years. There were no voice. There was no prophetic word that had been released that the Messiah was coming to restore integrity, that the Messiah was coming to restore uh, Israel, if you will. And their religion of Judaism was in a state of division. It was, had been compromised. It was, they were in competition with one another. And the Pharisees believed themselves to be the spiritual leader of the day. While the Sadducees saw themselves as the moral compass for which they would be the voice to all the people. Then you have the priests who, who were seen to and believed that they had sold out to Rome. And by the appearance of the priests, they were interested in keeping peace with Rome and keeping from rocking the boat. So they was going and doing what Rome wanted them to do instead of standing up for pure religion. And so the addition of all three of these groups, we see that there's also the scribes, there's the lawyers, there's the uh, Zealites, and there's the Levites. And, and there's a great confusion, mass confusion, on who to believe, right? Who's teaching the right thing? Who's teaching the wrong thing? And what, there was all of this confusion. There was, they were saying, are we supposed to believe that there's a resurrection from the dead as the Pharisees taught? Or are we to believe that, that this life is all there is like the Sadducees taught? So should we appease the Romans as the priests are appeasing the Romans? Or should we praise God? What are we to do? And so when the Messiah comes, surely he will clear up all of this confusion and he will put an end to the division that is in the, the, in the religious realms of Judaism. So as the religious leaders, some thought that they would first be revealed to the priest when Jesus came. 
Instead, the first person that Jesus comes to is a young Jewish virgin by the name in the Greek, Miriam. But as we know it today, Mary. The angel Gabriel comes and tells her that she should give birth to a child. In Luke chapter 1, he said, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, and he shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord shall give unto him a throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob uh, forever. And the kingdom of this, uh, of his kingdom, there shall be no end. So Mary was engaged to a man by the name of Joseph, and she comes, become pregnant. Before she was married, that's an offense that is, is worthy of being stoned under the law. But the angel appears to Joseph in a dream and says to Joseph, Joseph, you're, thou son of David, fear not, and take unto you Mary, thy, your wife, for that which is conceived is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. And now all was, was done, and that, that it might be fulfilled that which he spoke of the Lord, the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. <coughs> but besides Mary, besides Joseph, who would be the first one to receive the news of the Messiah? Who would be the first one to lay their eyes upon the God of Israel, the one that they had been praying for, believing for, seeking for? Matthew's gospel tells us of wise men coming from the east. And he tells us there that they, they would come, but their visitation comes at the nativity of Christ. The first people to see Jesus in the manger outside of Mary and Joseph is lowly shepherds. Our depiction of the Christmas with the wise men and the shepherds there together is probably inaccurate. They probably did not visit on the same night. We, while we see that, that they came, the, the shepherds were there quickly and visited with Jesus, but the wise men came probably some weeks or months later and found him there. And the angels appeared to them while they were keeping watch over the sheep by night and declared, the Messiah has come, Right? Think about it. Out of all the people, the kings, the priests, the prophets, all of the people that God could have sent there, he sent lonely shepherds. The ones that people probably look down upon, but yet God knows how to, to get his message released. He knows how to do a thing. And it says here in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, For unto you... 
uh, is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, the Christ, the Lord. And he shall be a sign unto you, and you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. These shepherds were out of the loop. These shepherds were not on the radar as far as it was concerned of them being the ones who would herald the news, who would be the first ones to to see him. All of these religious people, all of these hierarchy was jockeying for position to be the very first ones, but these were lowly working class, blue-collar workers who worked the night shift, right? They couldn't even get a daytime job. They was night shift working. Are you with me? Means they were on the lower scale. How many know that? that, Well, I got to be careful here. Let me say it this way. I don't like working the night shift. If I've got a choice, give me the early shift. I got three or four people. I know we got some night shift people. That's the reason I changed it up, but... (laughs) But most of the time, the reason why you have to work through the night hours is because you don't have enough seniority yet to get on day shift. Am I right about it? I said most of the time. But look, they were working the night shift. They were lonely first... uh, uh, blue-collar workers that was working in the fields by night. They longed for the day the Messiah would come. They longed for the day whenever they would get up under the, uh, away from the oppression of Rome. And they would begin to understand and know who is it that we can believe. Who is it, whose report shall we believe? Who is legitimate in all of this? They were waiting for the coming of the Messiah. And this significance was that he appeared to the angels and then the angels told the shepherds and Jesus is not only the Messiah of the elite, he is not only the the, uh, savior of the political parties or leaders, he is not only the Messiah or the savior of royalty, but Jesus is the savior of the lonely. Jesus is the savior of the broken. Jesus is the savior of the down and out. He is the savior of the whole world. Amen. If you believe that, give him praise here today. He's the Christ of the common man. Amen. He is the Christ to, and he is just as concerned about a backwood barefooted boy in West Virginia as he is the son or the daughter of royalty. Jesus is interested in you and he is interested in me. He is interested in world leaders. He's interested in captains of industry. He is interested in the rich, the poor, and those who may not have anything in common, but he is reaching to us today. Amen. What is he reaching with? He's reaching with good news. 
The good news that would shake the world and with news that all of Judaism has been waiting for. The angels find a group of shepherds in a field by night and reveal to them the glory of God. Announces to them the good news to the singing of the praises of these shepherds that he said, look, there is the good news is what you have been praying for, what you have been believing for. What you have been looking for, it has now come. Amen. Amen. He has now come. The angels told the shepherds where they could find this promised child, the Savior of the world. And he's not in a castle, but he's in a stable. He's in a manger. What a significance about a shepherd is that when I feel as though that I'm too small, And I don't matter. When I think about what God has done and what he is going to do, and I feel insignificant for my prayers to have much effect upon the known world, And I begin to remember how he blessed these shepherds, how he took and took, brought shepherds to his arrival into the world and and chose to show himself to the lonely. Then I begin to have some hope that that he will hear my prayer too, that he, he has concern about little old me. Can you say amen? Aren't you thankful today that God remembers you wherever you are? No matter if you have any titles to your name or you have them listed in a page long it really doesn't matter God cares personally about you he cares about me and he hears our prayers when we pray when the shepherds saw this great sight in the night they heard the words of the songs of the angels they responded at first in fright fear And then with excitement, they said, let us now go to Bethlehem and see. Amen. They had been told their hope had arrived. They had been told that their Savior had come. What else is there to do but go see for yourself? Amen. They were there. Many who, like shepherds, were willing to go and to see. And I believe today that some will go and they want to go see something. They'll go to to different places. And I'll I'll not name places today, but people will go here and near and far to see a thing. Some people even in religion and Christianity, they'll, they'll, they'll go to a plane, get on a plane and go to a far uh, place to be in a, a major crusade with some uh, wonderful speaker. And I'm not against that. But uh, what I'm tra- trying to say is this, is that there are many today that are willing to go to the wilderness to see some great sign or to feed uh, the, uh, uh, the multitudes with the loaves and with the fishes. There is something today that God is raising up in our hearts that we understand there's more to the kingdom of God than what we have seen but we have heard it but we have never seen it but I believe that on this stage of the kingdom that we will see the fullness of the manifestation of God's power and his grace in these last days we will see the things that our savior has come to the earth for to see the signs and the wonders 
wonders and the miracles, but the, most of all, the salvation of people's lives. Because you see, the reality of it is, is still today there are people living in brokenness. Broken pieces that nobody has been able to put back together. There are people who are lonely and looking for a touch from heaven. There are those who are sick and weary and they're looking for a healing touch. There are people who need to know that Christ has come and that he is the savior of the whole world. And these people will come and they will see if what we are telling them is true. And when they find bread in the house of bread, they too will become hungry for what you and I have become hungry for. You see, the name of Bethlehem means the house of bread. We know the Old Testament story how that Naomi, her husband, her sons had died and her daughter-in-law left Bethlehem during the time of famine. And there was no bread in the house of bread. And there, there are people who are, have left the church because there has been no bread, no life. No power, no promise, no glory, no praise, no presence. It's just become uh, another place of gathering, but no place of presence. And people have left the house of bread because there is no bread. But later in the book of Ruth, after Naomi's husband and sons has died, she heard that the famine of Bethlehem was over. And so her daughter-in-law and Ruth returned to the land of Naomi's heritage. And Ruth married into a kinsman, the near of her husband, a kinsman redeemer and uh, Naomi's bitterness and bitter days had come to an end and now she gives birth to a son and this son would be great, great, the great, great grandfather of King David, which is the ancestry of the Messiah. Are you still with me? And so Jesus, the bread of life, was born in Bethlehem and laid in a manger, a feeding trough. Come on. The bread of life is now in the house of bread. And the shepherds said, let us go now to Bethlehem and see that, that what this has come to pass. And the Lord made known unto us. And so when the shepherds arrive in Bethlehem, they found Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus laying in the manger. They found bread in the house of bread. They found the Messiah in a manger. <laughs> Have you found Jesus? Has he found you? If you're discouraged, there is hope. If you're in a storm, he's the Prince of Peace. If you're lonely, he's Emmanuel, God with us. If you're lost, he's the way, the truth, and the life. If it's time for us today to find this Savior, it's time for us today to make him real in our lives, that he's not just someone that is a figment of our imagination, but he is the reality of our lives. He, he lives in us. The songwriter wrote, he walks with me and he talks with me and tells me that I am his own. You see, today he is reality. He's more than just a God up in heaven. 
heaven, but he is God that lives in our hearts and in our lives. And he wants to be real in you and me today. See, the shepherds said, let us go see. But after they had seen for themselves and after they had experienced the presence of God in the flesh, they made it widely known by saying to others and telling others that we have seen him. In other words, they didn't just come and see, but after they came and seen, they went and told. Whenever we are saved, whenever we become this new creature, when we become this glorious uh, Christian, Christ comes and lives inside of us. It, it's more than for us to be able to come to church on Sunday or for us to sit in wonderful atmospheres such as this, but it's for us to come and see. But once we see, we're to go tell. Go tell your co-workers. Go tell your family members. Go tell the, the hurting. Go tell the one that is lost. Go tell the one that is broken. Amen. Here is the thing about Christmas. It isn't just to come and see a thing, but it's to go and tell a thing. Go tell it on the mountains, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Amen. And so people don't come to see our facilities. They won't be impressed with this building. We thank God for the building. But the, but the world has buildings such as this. They'll, they'll not be impressed with our decorations and the decor of the facility. They won't even be uh, impressed with coming and meeting the preacher. It isn't about all of that, but it is about coming and meeting the bread of life. Amen. It's about the bread in the house. It's about the light shining in darkness. It is about telling someone, anyone, everyone that Jesus has come and Jesus is here and Jesus is our source, our Savior, our deliverer and our ever-present help in the time of trouble. If you found that to be true, give him a little praise here this morning. There are people all around us that are ready to hear good news. There are people who will come to church or who will come back to church if they know there's fresh bread in the house. People who are broken and bruised and bleeding, people who are lost and lonely, people who need to know that someone cares for them, that somebody loves them. There are those who marvel at the truth if they will just learn that it's more than just words but it is the love of God penetrating our hearts and whenever you know how much he loves you it'll change your life it is interesting that good news started with the shepherds hearing of the coming of Christ from angels and they go and see and then they go tell and then at the conclusion of Jesus' life, it is angels telling a woman that Jesus is not here, for he is risen. The angels then tell the woman, he is not here, he is risen. As he has said, come see 
the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly. You get that? Come see and then go quickly. And tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. Indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. And there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. The shepherds begin with let's go see. And then they go tell. That's the mission of the church. That's the mission of the believer. That, that is your mandate. Some people say, well, I don't know what my purpose is or what I'm called to do. Your mandate is to go tell. I came, I seen, my life was changed. I've been empowered. His darkness has turned to light. His presence lives in me. And now I'm going to go tell somebody else what he's done in my life. I'm going to share what he has done in me. I'm going to tell this Christmas story. Amen. Amen. The best thing that we can do is go tell. I heard a man tell the story the other day. He's doing a Christmas pro program and, and there was some people waiting to get in the church and and the um, guy asked him, he said, is, is uh, Jesus, he's going to be born in this? He said, yeah. He said, is, he's going to um, grow up. He's going to be the son of God. And he said, yeah. And the man started back to his car. He said, where are you going? He said, I seen that last year. But whenever it becomes more than a story, but it becomes reality in your heart, it never gets old. It never gets old to remember where you were, lonely, destitute, without no hope. And he came and found you. He came and found me and poured his love into our lives, into our hearts. And caused us to become a new creation in Christ. I'm telling you, that never gets old. And whenever we, we, we have given in some to the, to, if you will, to the Romans. And we have, we've given in and appeasing them and want to be politically correct. But, but God hasn't called the church to be politically correct. He has called it to be biblically correct. And the way that our nation is going, we're going to be more incorrect than we are correct if we don't have a great awakening in this nation to the story that Jesus has come <laughs> and he is the hope of the world amen praise God but it's up to us to go tell go tell you don't have to be overbearing you just got to go tell you probably don't have to look too far to find somebody. You just got to go tell. Be willing to tell the story. Be willing to tell what Jesus has done for you in your life. Amen. Amy. If you would come, please. That always helps me when I hear music. Perhaps the best present you can give somebody this year cannot be bought on Amazon or in a store near you. 
maybe the best present you can give somebody this year is telling them about the light and the life of Jesus Christ. Maybe the best present you can give them is letting Christ live through you. That Jesus cared enough that he brought, sent his very best. Loved enough that he told the loneliest of people and gave them opportunity to come and to see. But let me encourage you this season to love enough to be bold enough to let your friends, your family, your neighbors, your co-workers know about the hope that you have. Amen. And how to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Would you stand with me today, please? Father, I pray today for each and every one that is in this house this morning. Maybe there's some like the lonely shepherds today that feel as though, God, that they are downcast, that they are not, they're insignificant, they have no real future or real hope. But I pray today, Holy Spirit, that you would touch their heart and let them know that they're as valuable to you as anyone on this planet, that you gave your life for them. I ask you today, Father, that if there's one here today that has not called upon your name, if they haven't ever seen your goodness, your love, your salvation, your mercy, then I pray today, Father God, that you would do just that in their lives this morning. Let us be transformed in these moments together. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today... <clears throat>